Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today we have uh, three panelists to discuss a topic that's really uh, relevant and especially important at this time of year as, as it is every day of the year. Uh, we have Catherine Monet is the Chief Executive Officer for the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. And we also have Ralph Cooper, who is the Community and Residential Veteran Services Coordinator, Cloudbreak Houston, LLC, and co-founder of National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. And we also have Karen Christian, NCHV Operations Manager. And today's discussion is going to surround the topic of the connection between military sexual trauma and homelessness among veterans. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And uh, who wants to lead us off? Oh, hello. How's everybody? Good, good. Okay, this is Ralph Cooper. Um I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna lead it off because one of the things that I discovered about this whole uh, military sexual trauma thing is that it's not just a female mm-hmm. issue. Huh. There are male men veterans who are who have been suffering from military sexual trauma, and what I found out is that the men that uh, that have come forward and say that they've been sexually uh, traumatized are more likely to be homeless than the women. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's how I want to just start it off and then let uh, Catherine and Karen uh, take it from there. Yeah, because, you know, I've heard these statistics before, but it's like one in four service women and then one in ten service men, so it's, it's you know predominantly in women, but it does occur in uh, men as well, and it's something that we really need to talk about. It's something that a sickness or a disease we need to eradicate from uh, military service uh, overall, any branch you're in. Uh, but Karen, why, uh, Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right, right? Upstream prevention is always the number one thing when it comes to homelessness. And given the linkages, Mm -hmm. right, the number one thing that we can do to reduce homelessness in this population is work with the military to figure out, you know, how they do this better. And on the heels of the Fort Hood independent investigation and on the heels of what we've seen at the DCVA Medical Center and, you know, VA's handling of that sexual assault case. I think that there's a lot that needs to be done upstream. I, I think there also needs to be a look at, you know, how we encourage people to kind of get rid of that stigma, right, for seeking care even, mm-hmm. because I think that's kind of a big thing and problems left undealt right. with tend to snowball. Yes, yes. And it, then it gets into, um, it really unfolds into how is the rest of your life going to play out, right? You know, um, y- you know, if you are a victim of sexual assault, it also means that, uh, like we're seeing right now with uh, Robert Wilkie, uh, they're, they're, I just want to uh, talk about that, 
where we had, you know, six leading veterans organizations, American Legion, VFW, uh, Disabled American Veterans, uh, AMVETS, uh, the Vietnam Vets, Veterans of uh, of America, and uh, Paralyzed mm-hmm. Veterans of America all are speaking out, you know, to make sure that this does not happen, you know, that that, uh, that he doesn't stay within his uh uh, present leadership role under President Trump uh, over the VA system uh, because he actually blocked uh, the information around sexual assault related to Andrea Goldstein, and so this is a real hot topic right now in uh, you know in D.C. and uh, it's, it's gaining more and more steam. But uh, the question is, you know, uh, after we go through this, we we have to go through so many different changes of you know, com- people coming forward that it actually affects their careers, their lives, and uh, down the road. You know, it's not just that if you get into a car accident and you have uh, major trauma, we know that, you know, this is going to affect the rest of your life. It's not just that one incident, you know, incident that happens uh, where you are assaulted, but it's how this plays out every day for the rest of your life, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, I just want to chime oh, in for a second. Sir. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Karen Christian, mm-hmm. and I would like to give you a little bit of my story and then um, oh, sure. yes. thank you to how I've had to kind of regroup and restructure my life in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a military veteran. I'm, I'm an Army veteran. Um, I was in 1988, mm-hmm. and my first duty station, I was, um, I'll use the word summoned, to my command sergeant, sergeant major's uh, barracks, and um, we there were many evenings that that he would call on me, and I would do this. In hindsight, I think that that it was done because I would continue to do it because I was scared that I would be sent somewhere that I didn't want to go. I was in Korea, and mm, okay, yeah, and I was. Um, my duty station was a kind of, it was a sweet duty station. It was a very, you know, it was, it was a good duty station. And, um, I had seen places in Korea, um, DMV where different, um, different companies of my battalion were, and I just did not want to go there. So, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, with women being scared of where they'll be sent, mm-hmm. that they support these um, I, I turned drugs after this happened to me and I became addicted mm-hmm. and I took drugs for, mm. wow, um, 10 years, I think. Oh boy. Okay. I didn't, get, I didn't get clean until 2000, 2005, April 4th, 2005. So, um, it went from 88 until then. I experienced homelessness. Um, I was living in my car, not living, was sleeping in my car with my daughter. Um, it, just, it, it takes on a lot. You feel a lot of shame. You you don't really know how to grasp what's happening in your life. It, it causes mental health issues. Um, I do suffer with anxiety right now, um, which is under control through medication, but there are times that I get very anxious. Uh, mm-hmm. I also, uh, I was in a meeting and, and I heard someone say that 
women tend, women and men tend to file these cases, these MST cases with the VA. But the VA, because they file so many, the first one that they file is never looked at, like it's not handled. So now we're on the fourth one or the fifth one that these claims that um, people are filing um, are not being handled through the VA. And so a lot of times it just deters you from even going to the VA because you don't think your voice is going to be heard. I've been wrestling with the VA for 15 years. And so I, you know, mm-hmm. you report it or you say something, but then nothing happens. So what do you do? Um, yeah. My life is so much different now. I, um, like I said, I, I've been clean for 15 years, almost 16 years. Excellent. Uh, my daughter Congratulations. Is, Thank you so much. <laughs> that takes a lot of strength. And, uh, you know, I have to stop for that one second to say that takes a lot of strength uh, to, to survive things like this. And that's a really a great testament to the kind of character you had uh, to begin with. So, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's 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 not a struggle um, mentally anymore because I know it's not me, mm-hmm. and I'm no longer ashamed of myself. Yes. Um, I did go to a vet center who had a really great therapist who, um, at the suggestion of Catherine, um, really kind of moved me towards going to a vet center because I had been so turned off from the VA that I was just like, I'm not even dealing with it because they won't even handle my, my concern now, which they say is serious, but they're not, to me, not looking at it as serious as it should be looked at. Mm-hmm. And Captain uh, suggested I go to the, to the vet center, and I did, and I really met a very nice therapist there who was very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of you know, see that I have nothing to be ashamed of because it's not and a lot, well, a lot of women and men, I believe, think that because they participated that, you know, they have some reason to carry shame. And they shouldn't, you know, when, when you're yeah, ordered yeah, yeah. military to do something, you do it. Right, right. How, how old were you about, you know, when this happened? I was 28. 28, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I understand totally what you're saying because uh, it's sort of like you get to the point where people like – try to blame the victim, right? And um, and then the, the victim may even blame themselves, which is not doesn't make any sense really. It, it it makes sense in the sense that they are, you know, trying to grapple with this difficult issue and they're trying to figure what ha- actually happened out, but they they are actually absolutely not to blame. Uh they are, you know, as you said, you're in a uh, a very regimented environment. And you have been trained to do uh, and, you know, follow orders, do what you're supposed to do. And uh, you trust you trust your people with you, your unit, you know, because they're supposed to be watching out for you, watching your back. And, Colonel, uh, you know, the thing that really kind of really makes it crazy is that as they, as after you come out of the service and have this military trauma, experience and have all of these things going through your head and your heart Mm -hmm. and then you end up homeless right right yeah you know on top on top of all of it and that's that's the thing that really really hurts you know especially around this kind of time of the year when people are getting together well not with the pandemic now but normally families want to get together and stuff doing it during the Christmas season, you're home. Yep. And so, um, you know, I don't, Karen may want to speak to, to that issue. Um, well, Mr. Cooper, I, you know, I, 
I always see myself as being a paycheck away from being in the street. I never get beyond that in my mind. Mm-hmm. I am very regimented and very thoughtful in how I how I spend money and how I handle my bills and, and what I'm able to do um, and what I'm not. Like, I'm very clear with my daughter as to what we cannot do and what we can do because I, the fear of being homeless, especially yeah. now, it's, it's yeah. like, I feel, I feel what people are going through. I understand. And that's why I work so hard to, to at least try to make sure someone's sheltered. Like if someone mm-hmm. calls in on a Friday, um, I really try to make sure that they're sheltered for the weekend because I understand it's scary when you're outside as cold as I don't know what outside here in DC and I'm sure it's there in Chicago. Um, but it's so cold outside and you just, what do you do? What do we do? And, and, it's so sad that a lot of people who who have a home to go to and and they don't really recognize what their neighbor or what the person like you see somebody outside um, in their car with all their stuff in it. You might think they're moving. That person might actually be living in that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we don't look at the situation. We might just look, oh, they're moving, or oh, they got a lot of stuff in their car. But in reality, there's something really going on with this person and. You know, it, it, it's sad. It's just what's going on is so sad. And the, the moratorium is getting ready to end. And and the people are calling like crazy now. Like our calls have been ramped up because of, of the moratorium getting ready. And then it's really sad that we can't. I know it's going to get worse. And, and capacity like service providers are going to max out their capacity. And then what happens to these people? Yes. Right. You know, you know, if you see someone in that situation, because I, you know, back when I was um, going through undergraduate school, there were two times where I was like out on the street for about three months because I had no money, right? It was like zero money. Mm-hmm. I was at Howard University, so I slept on a park bench for three months, and then the other three months I uh, ended up getting this lab job, you know, helping out and cleaning up, and I, um, you know, uh, I slept in the lab, you know, before my classes mm-hmm. and all that to get through. But, you know, even during that time, you know, is there something that people should be doing, especially, you know, and, and I, I hate to say this time of year because it, then it becomes like, well, we only have to think about it during the holidays, right, during Christmas and New Year's, and those are the only important no. days or Thanksgiving. This happens every day to people. Yeah, it does. And, you know, yeah. so, so is there something we should be doing, you know, to reach out to people when we see them in this situation? I think directly. Maybe you can. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that you could do to support people, right? I mean, ultimately, you've got to meet them where they are and encourage them to seek help, right? Mm -hmm. And try to find resources to connect them. I think one easy thing that you could do is call the NCHV toll-free hotline at 1-800-VET-HELP. And Karen or I or someone on our team will be completely glad to help direct you to resources in your community to help them. You want to get that again? Uh, yeah, it's one eight hundred vet help. V e t h e l p. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, because people need to know that there is something out there that they don't have to sit around and not have that kind of support. And wh- what would you say, especially to people who are suffering uh, from, uh, you know, the effects of sexual trauma right now? You know, is there something that you know some advice you would give them? Because you have uh, obviously overcome it and uh, been a very strong person in overcoming uh, this whole situation. Uh, so what would you tell them, you know, if you were speaking to them and said, you know, you know, I've been there and wh- what, what is it that, 
they need to know? Don't stop fighting for your life. It's your life. Mm-hmm. This isn't some some phase, or this isn't some this too shall pass thing. This is your life. Mm-hmm. And don't stop fighting for your life. Mm-hmm. You have to live it. This is like people, the man or the woman, they're the only ones that have to live this. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a really incredible um, advice. And, uh, you know, Catherine, so, you know, as a CEO, uh, you know, what have you seen over time as your organization is, you know, progressing and expanding? And it looks like it's a very, very successful organization. Mm-hmm. Um you know, what have you seen as far as things that you uh, felt uh, that that need a special focus on it? And then also, what kind of success stories have you heard? You know, uh, obviously, Karen is like a stellar success story here. Uh, <laughs> I'm listening to her and it's like, wow, which I, I wonder if I had that much strength <laughs> to do uh, what she's done. But uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So I, I will start by saying, Karen is an inspiration to us all, and I think, um, Karen, you know this, but I do love working with you because you bring a certain perspective and a certain level of, you know, accountability to the team in terms of making sure that we are doing our utmost for people, right? And so I think that's one thing that's really great. But in terms of things that need special attention, I think those things have changed over the years as we've learned more from working with veterans experiencing homelessness. So as there's been more research done, right, I think veterans facing or surviving MST is probably one of the bigger populations. Um, You know, I think that there are other populations that probably have some unique needs in terms of, you know, a growing number of aging veterans that isn't always well served in the options that we've got available. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, ensuring that the services that providers are offering are um, useful and inclusive of veterans of other genders, right? So transgender veterans um, Mm -hmm. and even minority groups, because one of the big things that is kind of out there, right, is that black veterans, Native Americans, Alaska Natives, Native Hawaiians are all much more likely to be homeless than white veterans. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that Mm -hmm. there's something there that needs unpacking and thinking through how, the broader, you know, universe, I guess, that veterans operate under affects how likely they become homeless. But I think there is also a sense that service providers need to be thinking about how they improve their services to these populations, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in addition, just to add something, uh, the, the VA, you know, when uh, folks that don't get services that they think that they should be entitled to from the VA, as Karen described her frustration, oftentimes the frustration gets so great that they'll take their life. Mm-hmm. They'll say, yeah. no, you know, because, so, because they can't get this help, because nobody seems to understand, because nobody wants them, because of their feeling of guilt. What did I, was it that I caused? that I cause this, oftentimes that's a part of the suicide thing. And I, I, I think that, you know, the calling for the head of the VA to resign 
is not just this this just not uh they're not done willy nilly. This is this is life and death. And so mm-hmm. you know, um we need to be able to voice to the VA that they have to be more diligent in in dealing with these issues. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because, you know, we were um, talking about, you know, the social determinants of health, you know, so we have all these critical infrastructure and key resource sectors that support society. We have, you know, food production and transportation and, you know, electricity, water, all those kinds of things. You pretty much get locked out of all of those if you're homeless, right? You you know, that the, the things that are supposed to be supporting our life then are put on hold and, and, and unavailable, and that is just unconscionable in a country as rich as we have right now. And especially, you know, for, um, you know, our service members of color who are out there who are putting their life on the line and to come home and not have access to that. It, it, and uh, during the COVID-19 crisis right now, we actually, and I call it a crisis, not just a pandemic, it's a crisis um, because of the handling of it so far in the country. Uh, but we, we're in a crisis right now, and actually the number of uh, deaths due to opioid abuse has uh, been 40% higher than in the prior two years. You know, so, you know, we have got to start thinking about this. Our veterans are now in uh, social isolation, and even if you were homeless, you saw people on the street, you know, and people were able maybe to give you some assistance here and there, but no one's on the street now. Everyone is staying home. Everyone is, you know, uh, right. You know, you know, sequestered. So, you know, it's more of a need than ever right now to do what you were saying, uh, Ralph, because the VA needs to step up now in a much stronger way. And um, we're running out of time, but I'm, I'm going to let everyone wants to lead off. Just give us a you know, like sort of a closing statement, and then what people should know about this and how they can help. Catherine. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, so I think the number one thing that people need to know about this, right, is that oftentimes you'll people will suffer in silence when it comes to MST, and that shouldn't necessarily be the case. Um, I think, you know, regular everyday people should be doing everything that they can to support, you know, any meaningful change in, you know, the military and within VA, right? so that people will feel more comfortable coming forth Mm -hmm. about the situation, asking for investigations, asking for treatment and care, and addressing their needs so that, you know, hopefully we can mitigate some of the risks in terms of increased homelessness. Fantastic. You know, thank you very much uh, for that statement. And, again, their number is 1-800-VET-HELP, V-E-T. Uh, slash H-E-L-P. Make sure that if you are out there and you need that help, they are there to to, to be on your side. Uh, They are there to serve. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.